0: for joining us here at the Podium Podcast, where today we will be discussing all things solar. My guest is Mike Clark, CEO of Solar Alliance. Mike, thanks so much for being here.
1: Great to be here, Chris.
0: Great. How are you guys making
1: out? Things are going very well. You know, I mean, aside from that, family is all safe and sound and uh, business is going great. Oh, good, good, good.
0: How are you enjoying uh, working from home? Has it had, uh, you know, much of an impact on you?
1: Uh, you know, it hasn't had a lot. Uh, I, I, I tend to travel a lot uh, for work pre-COVID. You know, all of our team is down in the United States. I'm based uh, in Toronto, so that has been eliminated. Uh, but other than that, you know, I mean, we, we figure out ways to make it work, right? Uh, and so challenges are placed in front of us, but it's uh, it hasn't been that bad. Uh, we have a new puppy at home, and so uh, he keeps <laughs> us busy.
0: Oh, that's good. That, that's good. Yeah, keep you, keep you pretty young too. That's good. And you know, at least you can get outside and get a little bit of good weather uh, into your lungs. So that's, that's really good. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed. I know a lot of our subscribers and our listeners are going to be really disappointed that you didn't bring uh, Mr. William Shatner on with you to join <laughs> us for a little discussion on solar. Uh, gotta ask, how'd you guys even end up getting somebody like uh, Bill yeah. Shatner?
1: Yeah, well, everyone everyone wants uh, wants him instead of me. Unfortunately, that's just the uh, that's just what you get when you have a, a star as your a spokesperson. But uh, no, uh, Mr. Shatner is awesome. He's an incredible spokesperson, not just for us, but for the industry and renewables in general. Um, we used to we used to operate in California, uh, so we used to install solar in California and residential solar, uh, and we uh, basically reached out to Mr. Shatner, and said, "Look, you know, we'd love to be able to put a solar system on your home." Uh, we're Canadian, you're Canadian, can we talk? We went to his house and uh, had a discussion about the uh, solar industry, about the need for advocacy in the solar industry and uh, his desire to have a solar system installed on his home. And so we installed the solar system on his home. Uh, he's been a great partner with us uh, ever since uh, and you know, talks on our behalf on, uh, on various uh, outlets on BNN here in Canada. He's done things on MSNBC in the States in the past for us. Uh, and he's huge on Twitter as well. And so, you know, he's a big proponent for Solar Alliance. He's Canadian, loves a Canadian story, loves a small upstart company that is now growing quite substantially. Right. So uh, so he's been a great partner for us.
0: Yeah, it seems to me there wouldn't be any shortage of uh, celebrities, I would imagine, out there that would probably uh endorse solar wholeheartedly um you know needless to say it was pretty it was pretty fashionable about uh, 10-15 years ago for celebrities to actually go out and buy hybrid cars and uh, things like that so they they seem to be quite conscious of that so that's great well listen you'll have to bring them back for sure at some point we're gonna have to have them on here and definitely you bet a little yeah. bit oh he's always <laughs> going to be tj hooker to me you know that so but anyway listen mike for our subscribers out there uh, a lot of people have heard of solar alliance but for those that haven't um could you walk us through you know a little bit of the past history of solar alliance how did you guys get where you are today
1: yeah, so Solar Alliance is uh, an energy solutions provider, right? And so we design, uh, we sell, engineer, install uh, solar systems for a variety of different uh, com- uh, for customers. It runs a gamut from uh, residential uh, customers to commercial, to utility customers. We're kind of moving our way up that food chain as a company. We did a lot of residential in our past uh, and we are moving into the larger, more complicated projects that generate, you know, larger returns, larger revenues. Um, as a a company and take more expertise as well. So, you know, a bit of a barrier uh, to entry for other companies. And so helps us in terms of uh, grabbing market share and keeping that market share once we've grabbed it. Um, You know, historically, we've done a lot. Uh, We have developed large scale wind projects, you know, going back a decade or so. Uh, We've done residential solar in California. Now we're based out of Tennessee. That's where the entire team is, except for myself and our CFO here in Toronto. Uh, and the team uh, based out of uh, Knoxville does all of the design work, the engineering work, the project management work and the sales basically for the southeast of the U.S. So, you know, we have pretty good reach out of that uh, out of that office. Um, and as we move through this year, you know, expansion is, is a possibility for sure. But there is a lot of opportunity in the United States right now in the solar space. And uh, really, we're trying to take advantage of as much of it as we can.
0: No, that's great. Um, you know, just take me back to the research and development aspect of it. Is is that in conjunction with anybody in particular? Um, how did you end up uh, moving everything to Tennessee? Uh,
1: it was an acquisition back in two thousand and seventeen. Okay. And So uh, yeah, so there was a, there was a company that was uh, basically moved. Uh, they weren't involved in solar really. They had a smaller solar team, um, and we decided look, it, we wanted to get into the commercial space. Uh, and the best way to do that was to acquire a small commercial company, uh, and that happened in approximately 2017, and it's been uh, nothing but, uh, but great uh, new projects ever since. Just really sort of, you know, uh, tacking them onto the team that we have here uh, and then starting to build them out as well. And so, uh, so it's been a, it was a great acquisition for us, without a doubt.
0: And did we see something at some point, um, uh, I think what I was driving at in the earlier question was um, the, uh, the relationship between you and the University of Tennessee and, um, yeah. and maybe access to their research and development. Has,
1: is, have you guys teamed up or, or how's that dynamic uh, working out? Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, we have on a specific aspect of what we're doing. So we have developed a technology called PowerShed which is essentially a charging station, a solar powered charging station for robotic mowers. So if you've seen these robotic mowers before, you can imagine they look like the, uh, the Roomba, those little, uh, those little vacuums that you know, operate in your, in your home or something like that. These robotic mowers are uh, uh, electric, so they're battery operated, but they're also remote. So basically you place them somewhere in a field and they go and mow it, they go back to their charging station at night, get charged up and, and, and go off and mow the next day. University of Tennessee came to us and said, look, we want to develop uh, a charging station that uses solar where we can place that charging station anywhere on our campus. So we don't have to worry about connecting it to the grid, plugging it in or anything like that. And so we developed a power shed with them and it's currently patent pending. So it's got a provisional patent in place and we're working with them to uh, commercialize it. And so what it is, it looks like a small shed. If you go to our website, you can take a look, solaralliance.com, and there's some pictures of it. Um, And it's a a panel or two panels with an inverter and a battery uh, system in it and a docking station for the robotic mower. Robotic mower goes out, does its business, mows the lawn, comes back in there and gets charged with clean power uh, for, you know, one to two hours, goes back out, all automated. So, you know, uh, companies uh, can reduce their labor costs associated with uh, landscaping. And they can absolutely reduce their uh, fossil fuel emissions by going to the electric mower, but also by reducing their dependence on, you know, fossil fuels that come through the grid, through the power that they get from their utility. So it's a pretty neat technology that we're developing. We have sold a few of them already right now, looking to commercialize it, looking for partners to potentially license it to. So uh, an aspect of our business that is not generating much revenue right now, but long term could be a, could be a big part of what we do.
0: Yeah, uh, did see it, It had a really nice close look up at it and uh, it really does look uh, fantastically cool and it's nice to hear that the patent is actually pending and uh, Mm -hmm. you know I just wonder what what is the range on that anyway?
1: I mean it does look like a Roomba, Um, you know it looks fabulous. Yeah, so the the range depends on the the product. So we're product agnostic in terms of the actual mower itself, right? So uh, for us any mower can use the charging station, uh, so it depends on the type of uh, mower that they use in terms of the range, but they can pretty much cover any type of uh, any type of a large field. Absolutely. So you look at it for golf courses, large corporate campuses, university campuses right now or right now, or we've had one in the past on the University of Tennessee driving range. So it goes out there when people aren't, aren't uh, hitting balls around. So, yeah, you, there's a variety of different uh, uses uh, for it.
0: Well I was just gonna say there's a number and a plethora of outdoor sporting activities that could certainly benefit by using one of these. So uh, that's really exciting. We're gonna look forward to uh, hearing more about that hopefully in in uh, the coming months uh, this year. so that's great. yeah so Mike, let's uh, let let's just talk uh, briefly or maybe for the remainder of the podcast, we could talk a little bit about uh, the u s. solar industry. and obviously Biden coming in being inaugurated. now things are really expected to move um just wondering what your thought is on on the election and and the outcome Uh, needless to say you're probably you know very happy with that this is everybody else within the renewable energy sector our industries must be just yeah
1: absolutely um you know it's pretty clear that the election of joe biden uh is positive for the renewable space and solar in particular um, you know, we're not political as, as a company, but we and we we've operated, you know, in uh, under a Trump administration, you know, for for several years and and we continue to grow. But really, you know, uh, the Biden administration and this change really sort of signals a real shift towards renewables away from fossil fuels um, that may include things like subsidies, but it's not really about the subsidies per se. It's about government getting out of the way of the renewables industry. So, you know, removing tariffs on uh, on, uh, on panels that are coming into the country, um, you know, extending tax credits that are already in place and that you know, are oftentimes available to the fossil fuel industry. Um, and so there may be incentives as well for individual homeowners uh, and businesses to, to retrofit. Uh, that's a possibility as well. Um, but really, the, it, it's a signal to the marketplace that, this shift is now happening, and it's not just happening uh, in the U.S. It's happening everywhere. People have long talked about the need to move from fossil fuels to renewables. We're now seeing that happening on a very real, in real time, right? And it's accelerating. And so, you know, what we've seen happen over the last ten years uh, is going to happen over the next six months. I mean, the the, the growth that we're going to see, I think, is going to be uh, pretty incredible. Um, you know, as a company, you know, clearly we're based in the US. We're part of that, which is, which is, which is great. It's a great place to be right now in terms of the renewable space. Absolutely.
0: So uh, outside of residing with the, uh, the Paris Accord, what, what else does uh, does Joe Biden have to start bringing to the table? What moves does he have to start making, you know, to kickstart uh, the industry back up to the way it was uh, 10 years ago? I feel I feel like we're kind of um it, it's like groundhog day for the industry. I feel like we were back here back in um you know uh 2005 to uh you know the oil crash of what was it
1: 2007 I think.
0: Um yeah, well when it, we it, kind it, of it... yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it may feel that way, but it's definitely not. The, the, the renewable industry of solar and wind in the U.S. has been growing uh, steadily uh, every year since then. Absolutely. So while it may have been under the radar from a perhaps a media perspective, there has been significant growth uh, in each of the last 10 years. Uh, these are uh, mature industries now. Uh, the technology is mature. It's proven. Uh, there are no questions around the, around the technology. Uh, and so it has been growing quite significantly. Now you're just seeing a lot, more, uh, a lot more focus on it. Definitely media focus, political focus. And so I think some people uh, think maybe, oh, this is the beginning. And in, in some respects it is the beginning, right? I mean, because if you look at how, mu- how much, what is out there in terms of solar versus what is out there in terms of natural gas development, shale gas development, you know, coal development, coal mining, you know, burning coal. Those are huge industries that we have to transition away from uh, and that is slowly happening and it's happening quicker and quicker and quicker. But in terms of the industry itself, it's, it's already quite mature, which is great, right? So we can take advantage of the shift very quickly. We don't have to scale up uh, an industry per se. So I, I think, you know, what he brings to the table, you know, I think tariffs could be on the table removing the tariffs for sure. Um, you know, things like Keystone Pipeline, Right. I mean, these types of large infrastructure projects that uh, that are utilizing or promoting fossil fuels um, there. There are challenges now associated with those for sure. And, you know, we live in Canada. Uh, Keystone Pipeline is uh, is going to be uh, it's going to be a hit for for Alberta for sure. And, you know, I'm not one of those uh, uh, people that uh, that hates the oil and gas industry or mining or anything like that. right? I mean, I do believe that there needs to be a transition away from fossil fuels, but we need to do it in a way that is responsible and takes care of the people that are working in those industries, right? Because a lot of those people would be just as happy to work in solar, would just just as happy to work in wind, and you see a lot of that in Alberta right now. Um, but this is, this is sort of the challenge, right? Is how do we transition those industries and how do we transition those people, away from fossil fuels and make sure that they have the same high paying, high skilled jobs in the renewables industry, right? And that's, you know, that's, that's critical. And that's one of the things that we've focused on in one of our projects in Southern Illinois, uh, coal country, right? I mean, a ton of coal development there historically, uh, but companies like ours uh, need to focus on workforce development, helping people transition out of those types of uh, industries into an industry like ours, where there is unlimited growth, it's not going anywhere. There, there is no doubt about that right now, right? And so how do we work with those people? Um, and so, you know, changes like Keystone, while they are negative uh, for, for some people in the industry, absolutely, I think they can also be used as a catalyst to help transition. And generally, again, it's a broader signal to the renewables and uh, industry and the fossil fuel industry that times absolutely are changing, you know, as Bob Dylan said.
0: Well, exactly. And I think, um, you know, I think in early on here, you know, with the, just some of the small promises or, well, large promises, but small moves that Joe Biden's already made in the near term, it has created a lot of buzz and excitement, um, you know, not to be a heavy downer on the situation at all, but uh, how fast should it arise, should it happen in four years, we move back to a Republican Party? Um, how fast yeah. could we undo all I mean, realistically, we don't know what's going to happen in point. Yeah, it's a
1: good reversed? question. Yeah. yeah, it's a good question. It will, it will not be reversed. And I'll tell you why is because the economics of renewable energy now are what is driving the industry. So it is not uh, it is not just a simple case of people loving, quote unquote, green energy for the uh, environmental benefits. That is a huge part of it, uh, without a doubt. And the benefits long term will be significant for uh, for us um but people are doing it to save money you can now install solar on your home you can install solar on your business and it is cheaper than plugging into your to into your utility and so you know does that make sense for the individual regardless of political affiliation absolutely who doesn't want to save money no. on their monthly electric bill
0: You're it doesn't
1: right. it doesn't it doesn't matter um now Will, will that slow potentially with another Republican government? I don't think so. In, in four years time, costs will continue to go down. They've gone down 75, 80% in the last 10 years uh, in terms of the materials and that is what's driving it. Uh, it's an economic um, issue now. Uh, and so it makes sense, jobs, jobs, jobs as well. You know, This is a growing industry. If people want to come out of COVID uh, with infrastructure projects, infrastructure funding, Uh, in new industries that will create long-term sustainable jobs. Uh, A lot of that will be in renewables. And why would you wanna undo that?
0: Well, that's just exactly it. I I think in order to uh, get around the impending economic circumstances that were gonna be felt uh, globally, It makes sense that a lot of uh, governments are going to turn to infrastructure in a way to, you know, sort of catapult. So in doing so, uh, the infrastructure for energy now looks completely different, like you said, and it looks like that there's a wide open space to include renewable. And uh, the difference, as you pointed out from 10 years ago, obviously, is now it becomes economical. Now, all of a sudden, with the science, the technology is caught up, and it is actually cheap and, and easy to afford in terms of the monthly savings and the cost savings in uh, in your electric bills. So it does make complete sense. Um, I just wonder, is it possible that we might start to see within the next 18 months or so in the United States, perhaps, um, you know, some grant money, some uh, tax credits, rebates, anything to get uh, the general population steering even further into this direction. You see any yeah, of that? it's
1: that? Yeah, it's entirely possible. Uh, I mean, I think it's possible in Canada, too. And I think the Canadian government should look at it, right, in terms of, you know, either uh, and, and I think they're, they've, they've discussed this, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, either loans or grants for retrofitting homes, you know, and so that would get money back into the economy. So, you know, green retrofits, whether that is solar or geothermal, like whatever it is, right, uh, that could really drive the industry. I think in Canada as well, the idea of something like an investment tax credit, which is in place in the U.S. and has really driven the sure. uh, the economy down there or the the industry, would I think be useful in Canada. Um, but there's there's not a lot of grants anymore in the solar space. Uh, there are some for uh, rural communities, rural developments, you know, places where there's not economic development. But that's economic development dollars. That is that would you know, ten years ago would have been used for some other type of economic development, right? Uh, grants for solar in places where it makes sense don't really exist and are not necessary. You know, there are still some places where that is the case, there are available, but for the most part, as I said, it's an economic uh, argument, it's an economic case, uh, and grants aren't necessary. The tax credits are great because they, uh, they allow larger financial groups to come in, take advantage of those tax credits uh, and provide that funding uh, to, uh, to individual homeowners. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think the idea of large infrastructure funding, uh, infrastructure funding flowing down to local utilities who maybe put out programs or potential incentive programs for solar for homeowners, those types of things, absolutely. There's a lot of potential, uh, and ultimately, it's not about subsidizing the company; it's about subsidizing perhaps uh, the homeowners, people that uh, that need the support now because of what they're going through with COVID, right? And this is a means to an end. You know, you can get cheaper electricity if you subsidize this system. Why not do that in a, in a, in a time and place where people's jobs, you know, are, uh, are in jeopardy, sure. right? And so reducing any of those kind of costs, I think a lot of people would think that's what the role of government is, is for. Oh, well, not to mention to be able to bank that
0: energy and actually sell it and, uh, you know, cut costs even further. There's uh, any number of ways that uh, this, this does actually make sense now more than ever. And I don't think there's going to be too much in the way of um, red tape as much as we've seen it in the past. I don't think that uh, fossil fuels carry that uh, that bang or that level of authority that we've been used to, like fossil fuels completely dominating everything. Fossil fuels are king. I think we're just really starting to grow up and uh, look past that and at the very least start to incorporate some balance and shift it back to the renewable side a little bit so it's it certainly is exciting times and we're really happy for you too mike and uh, really happy that the election played out the way that it did looks like you guys have some great things and it looks like we're probably going to have you back on a podcast again really soon bring us up to speed on some more of the updates that are happening with Solar Alliance. And we're really going to start to dive in, hopefully, with you guys a little bit and just get some idea of what you guys are going to be doing here over the next two to three years. Sounds really exciting, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for taking the time, Chris. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And we'll see you again uh, really soon, I hope. You bet.